Hi, and welcome to the official Humans of Tech Denmark podcast. This is the show that brings humanity to technology and follows the journey from the stakeholders and players to make up the Danish and Nordic startup ecosystem. I'm your host, James Digby, and every week we'll share insights and learnings from founders, community leaders, VCs, leading figures from corporate tech giants and the governmental sector to hear about the driving forces from the humans of technology that shape the way that we live and work every day. In our first episode to kick off the series, we got the honor of sitting down with Mikael Back, one of the main protagonists in the Danish startup ecosystem. He's the former CEO of Venture Cup, Copenhagen for the win, and now head of innovation at telco giant 3DK. We get to hear his journey into the startup universe straight from university and his views on the evolving ecosystem and what lies ahead for the Danish startup scene. From the launch of the iPhone to just before the recent pandemic of COVID-19, it's all covered in this one in-depth interview and just a perfect place to get us started. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, and welcome back to another episode. We're sitting here today with a very special guest of mine, Mikkel Back. Mikkel has been an ecosystem builder, going through the ropes from, you know, you've been here in the startup scene in Copenhagen the whole time I've been here in the last 10, 12 years. So for me, I'm technically guessing you've been here the whole time, but I'm guessing you haven't. So maybe you want to share a little bit about your background and, and what you've done and where you've come from. Yeah, sure. Thanks, James, for having me as well. Um, so originally, I'm actually from Jutland, right? So I haven't been living in Copenhagen all the time, but for the last 11, 12 years, I've been living in Copenhagen and I've basically been part of the ecosystem uh, ever since I, I moved here. Um, I moved here to join uh, Venture Cup back in the days. So I think some people out there might actually have heard of it. It's a university-based um, business plan competition, or at least it was in the beginning. It quickly became something else like more of a startup competition but uh, yeah so i joined joined that from Odense actually uh, back then so joining the venture cup were you doing any other bits from the outside or was this part of the student life and student organization kind of welling up within yourself and saying i want to be a part of that well basically it was actually my first job after university so i was studying something very uh, you know out there so communications and strategy and things like that but i had always kind of wanted to start my own thing so i've i've started um, um, university clubs or things like that i've started a few companies before i had an event agency when i was uh, studying uh, doing lots of events that was in in Aalborg, actually in 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 northern part of, of denmark um, i had a, a web startup at one point uh, briefly we got a few money for that uh, made a lot of uh, a lot of good experiences, but never really launched. It was, I think, it was a bit too early at that time. It was back in '02, '03. Um, but uh, but these kind of things just always stuck with me. And then um, I actually applied for a job in Copenhagen, which was uh, with Venture Cup. And then uh, eventually I, I never got it. Uh, but then <laughs> but then, then uh, Torsten called me back. It was Torsten Colin, who was now in in San Francisco with Unil. So he called me back and he said, well, you know what, we, we got this, uh, I love your energy, we got this uh, new setup in, in Odense, in southern Denmark, would you want to run that? And I said, yeah, sure, what's it about? And he said, okay, so I got, I got salaries for six months and you can do that full time or you could do like half time, you know, uh, 
uh, with a full year and I said yeah sure I mean just give me the, the full time six months I'll make sure to raise enough money so that was we, my can, question. we can do was the like, next one you know, right? which, which one did you go for do you want to just do a slow burn and, and keep it going and saying, do you know what I'm going to do this full speed for as fast as I can as much as I can do in this time possible of course the last bit so yeah, yeah so <laughs> no but it was it was really fun and I quickly raised enough money uh, luckily I mean nobody was really doing anything like that in that region um, and I find a, found a really good angle to sell it to sponsors and stuff. So, so it went really well. And we outperformed actually Copenhagen. I think all the Copenhagen universities in the first year. So, that so was you quite raised good. more money than they had? Not money-wise, but in terms of engagement, right? Okay. So um, uh, students or researchers uh, joining the competition, uh, joining our programs, uh, entering, uh, making it to the final and stuff like that. It was just a really, really... Uh, good performance by the region in general right um, and I, I just took took um, took advantage of of whatever uh, you know turned my disadvantages or the disadvantages into advantages basically right so going into this you know for, for those that are listing from outside of Denmark you know Odense mm-hmm. is the second largest city is that going there um, it's actually the fourth the fourth no Third largest. Sorry, that's my bad. <laughs> the internet will, is will the, fact is check us. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And we'll tell us exactly how right or wrong we are. But awesome. I mean, ultimately, it's it's not very big. Is I think the, what I was trying to get at. For, and, and yeah, outside exactly. of Copenhagen, regionally, all of these efforts. To, so to say that you outperformed the nucleus of what was going on in terms of engagement, in terms of what was happening in Copenhagen, was that actually just one of the first ways of going, actually, there's something here? I just think, yeah, I, we, we took advantage of the fact that nobody had really do, done anything there. Mm-hmm. We also had these remote campuses like in Espia and, and uh, I think in Slades uh, and things like that. So I, I, just, I just took a chance and went there and made a huge splash and presence and made sure that something was happening. And I think people thought that it was kind of a different approach. You know, it was a new thing that they were not used to seeing in the academic environment. Yeah. Uh, which is true back then. I mean, nobody was talking entrepreneurship. Um, this is a time where, I mean, nobody wanted to become an entrepreneur. It was uh, right around time of, uh, like one year before the financial crisis. Everybody wants to join big companies. Everybody wanted to, to, to make money through consultancies or uh, financing or... So 2007, 2008, yeah, that yeah, exactly, kind of yeah. period. Yeah, exactly. So everybody wanted to... to, to yeah, that was that was it. You know, you wanted to join a big company, and your your life would be a, a success, right? So that that was the time back then. But it also maybe I can take into some of the, the the Danishness into this as well. Is that part of the Danish mentality as well of how how that went through? Was that you, you didn't need to, you shouldn't take a risk and you shouldn't go through? And it was or was that just the, you know, the temperament of how it was? Would you say um, we had gone, just gone through a generation of austerity with the war and with, with what was happening, or is that? I think uh, I think that might be taking it a bit too far, but I think at, I think you're right in many many of those things. There is a Danish mentality that is an employee mentality, mm-hmm. um, and and everybody's talking about that, right? We create a society of employees rather than employers, um, and I think uh, I, I think that's just. In, in the nature going way back, I think the whole um, uh, the whole mainstream uh, idea that being an entrepreneur is super cool and the whole lion's den show and those kind of things is is a new thing. I think most people don't really realize that today, but ten years ago that was not uh, that was not very mainstream. It was not very 
trendy, if you want to say that. If you were an entrepreneur word. 10 years ago, what would you be? Um, it would most likely be in, in clean tech or in, in biotech or something like that, you know, at least in the, in the academic environment, right? Mm-hmm. Or, of course, it would be having your own shop or something like that, right? So hairdresser or, you know, those kind of things. Or if you're a craftsman, you know, you'd be a carpenter or something like that, right? It would most likely be those kind of things. Or you would have these old industrial companies that have been around for many decades, right? Mm-hmm. That, that were essentially entrepreneurial companies like Novo, Grundfos, Danfoss, Lego, those kind of companies. So you didn't think of entrepreneurs as young or cool or anything like that. Not at all. But even you just mentioned a, a swathe of companies that are, yes, they're, they're generational and, and in their growth, but they are very entrepreneurial and they're, they're family driven. And, you know, and you've seen a lot of innovation come from Denmark itself from the very early days and, yes. and it's strange to see that that kind of shift but now going back to it coming into Denmark and kind of jumping into this ecosystem um, so, you know leaving Ordensa and seeing the entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial sorry ecosystem based over there and, and coming here did you see a difference between the two when you first came here I mean I'd say the difference is more the difference that is between our capital Copenhagen and uh, the rest, I would say. So okay. I, I, think, I think that difference is still there. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very entrepreneurial setting here either. We were based back then, uh, VentureCup. Uh, so VentureCup has always been um, an, an activity that was grown out of the university world. It was fostered by McKinsey, for instance, uh, back in the day. So it was, it was uh, more of perhaps a consultancy uh, thing in the begin in the very beginning. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's almost twenty years ago. So it was more like, how can we take uh, this entrepreneurship field and put it into an academic session uh, or an academic setting and try to come up with a way of measuring. Um, uh, the potential success of new ventures or new technologies coming out of universities, right? So that was what they did. So they mm. came up with this thing called a business plan competition, where you would, you would almost have have like a template that you would fill out, and then you could measure it from certain criteria, and then find out which which uh, team or which university or which classroom had the best students, you know, for entrepreneurship. So that was kind of the, the, the very beginning, you know, that okay. was like 20 years ago. <laughs> but but and, and I think a lot of that was still around when, when I joined as well. It was it was it has been softened a bit and become a bit more entrepreneurial because of the likes of, of Torsten, for instance, who was running it back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, of course, uh, Tina Tusen, who was taking over uh, after him, uh, who, whom I joined in, in Copenhagen. I think... Um, these guys had a lot more, you know, entrepreneurial spirit within them as well, and really understood what it was like. And I think they 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 took that into that as well. And I think a lot of the hires that were done back then, for instance, like me, were people who had started something as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people who had uh, an entrepreneurial spirit from the beginning as well, which would definitely rub on, rub, rub off, <laughs> on everybody we would meet. So one of the big challenges was that we were we were to. Uh, address campuses and classrooms and go across campuses uh, and and really tell the tale about becoming an entrepreneur and how we at Venture Cup could be their uh, stepping stone towards an entrepreneurial career or becoming an entrepreneur. I think I think that was 
that was really integral in that. Well, in that, that was sense. also a shift as well then, and kind of that, that mindset of going, actually, this isn't just about you doing whatever you need to do within this class now. It's yeah, actually, yeah. what will you do within your life exactly. and with this? Exactly. Um, so it was a cultural thing, right? And I think this was, um, this was back in the days where I think we were based at, at CBS, obviously. I think uh, that, was, that was a good platform for that. People were more... Uh, thinking along the terms of, of the financial part of, of being becoming an entrepreneur. Um, As opposed to the technical side, say, for example, at DTU or... Yeah, I think back then, I mean, people were really seeing it as, as, an, as, as an exercise more than as an, you know, an economic exercise or trying to figure it out mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. Than, uh, than a way of life. Um, but I, th- I, think, I think it slowly became more and more of that. But remember, I mean, back here, it was... In the early days of the iPhone, I mean, the iPhone just came out in 2007. Uh, the App Store didn't come out until summer 2008. Wow. Um, and, and, and the transformative power of, for instance, the, the App Store, I don't think anybody really realized that until a little bit later. So it's really on the distribution level. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you would empower people around the world to become their own entrepreneur, so to speak, to yeah. become their own publisher of content they could all of a sudden they could distribute and sell online so in even, a totally different way even so it wasn't just point, products it was you, um, you yeah, say you, you have people then selling people selling stuff online into webshops into stuff like that but you're saying that this is actually one of the very first points where people could actually be a global entity and work from anywhere kind of movement with the app store exactly and i think that's i think that's one of the biggest uh, transformative stuff that that came out of Apple. I think that was actually the App Store. Remember back when they wanted to remove the um, the CD-ROM drive out of their laptops, yeah. right? And everybody thought it was insane, because up until then, if you were to build software and sell it, you would have to ship CD-ROMs all over the world. So it was it was something completely different. All of a sudden, you would you would laugh that they they thought that you would just download something and use it. You know, yeah. it was crazy. You know, so so I mean, but looking back in retro retrospect i think definitely that's one of the the biggest changes it enabled anybody to become an entrepreneur in a different level mm-hmm. because all of a sudden as well you could distribute worldwide super easily and then of course you found found different channels but for us i mean we didn't understand it back then it wasn't until 2010 or something that we started building different categories for for entrepreneurs up until then it was everybody up against each other right it mm-hmm. was people building a clean tech solution um a new type of um, energy storage or whatever up against people who were um, building something to track your stolen bike or if it was somebody who who had a, a social entrepreneurship service right I mean it was it was so such different ideas that were being measured against each other and then we started to to split it up and understanding that there are different types of of uh, industries or different different types of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that that demanded something different right and and we didn't have a mobile category or you know something that would attach themselves to to apps until 2011 i think it was something you know that was it's it's so new um and i think i think that actually helped together with the backlash of of the financial crisis in 2008-9 i think that would spawn people to become entrepreneurs Mm-hmm. Once again, because a lot of people, I think, lost faith in the big companies. You could see that the big economies were changing as well. Um, I, I just think a lot of stuff, both on on micro, but especially on macro level, changed quite a bit back then. And I think that's that's what spawned this 
this new type of uh, interest in becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, and say, how did events like Startup Weekend, coming into Denmark for the first time, also then change the landscape, if at all? Yes, I mean that's that was that was really really interesting. Um, so being part of Venture Cup also meant that we did a lot of events as well. Um, we mostly did events at uh, university level, but once in a while we did some events outside or we attended other startup events. Now there was just not a, not anything around back then. It was like wow. once every two weeks or one event every month were kind of linked to entrepreneurship. But all of a sudden, we saw this guy coming in. It was uh, Alex Fassett. I mm-hmm. think we, we, we just briefly talked to him, talked about him before this. Uh, and he just appeared, actually, well. just yeah. randomly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so Alex be careful was, whenever you say his name. <laughs> exactly. So he might, he might hear me any, any day now. No, but Alex was, was pivotal on that, that kind of change. So obviously now he's part of rainmaking and rainmaking actually started a few years uh, earlier but alex actually he was he was super cool uh, being an, an entrepreneur turned corporate turned back into entrepreneurship he came to uh, to to denmark as well uh, he is french though but he came in he's not his fault but he came in and he was uh, he, he brought all this energy and this this new inspiration into it and he launched a few things all at once one of them was first friday i remember those kind of yeah. events I'm sure you do as well. It was uh, the first Friday of every month. You would gather gather some people, and people were pitching what they were doing. You know, right. what what kind of startup they were doing. It was it was pretty crazy. You know, we haven't you really say it now, seen right? those kind of things. Yeah, okay, and what? Yeah. But then, th- back in the day when first Friday was about, no one pitched their their company or pitched what they wanted to do or. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And this was uh, this was ten years ago. This was 2009. You know, that's when it started. You know. And um, and then he brought on this new type of program that nobody had really heard of before. It was called an accelerator, you know, acceleration program. Okay. I mean, in the U.S., it was pretty known. You know, you had Y Combinator and and TechStars, and and the latter of those actually inspired, as far as I know, Alex a lot to to build Startup Bootcamp, mm-hmm. uh, which was the program he was pitching. And 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 I remember hosting some of these events at, at CBS. Um, together with uh, organizations later becoming uh, Copenhagen School of Entrepreneurship. And we just saw so many people coming to these events. I mean, there was 100 people in the room, you know. That, mm-hmm. was, that, was pretty, that was a lot back in the days, you know, like a Tuesday evening. And he was pitching this, and we didn't quite understand the magnitude of what it was. It, because it, it became, in, in the following years, I'm not saying it's that popular anymore, but in the following years, it was just... It was it's it's a wave of different types of programs that would really help entrepreneurs uh, get to the next level faster, right? So yeah, um, that was I think that was that was the beginning of of, um, of this thing, these these kind of this kind of startup uh, community and movement uh, yeah. in bigger scale in Copenhagen, and of course it started as well as you mentioned before, Startup Weekend. He also brought that April, uh, I think it was April two thousand ten actually. That was the first yeah, one. Was. Um, some of you might remember Memolane, that, that one. I was uh, a part member of that team back then, but uh, in reality, it was, uh, of course, it was Eric um, who was running that. So actually, going, going into that process now, right? Yeah. We're running the first ever Startup Weekend. No one really knows what's going on. People are pitching ideas. People yeah. have had some of these ideas that they've sat on for the last five, ten years. Other people had an idea in the last five, ten seconds. Yeah. Right? So there's the kind of width and breadth. 
did anyone realize what would happen on the Monday or the time afterwards? Of course, we you know we gave them a big novelty check at the end and said, "Congratulations, you're the winner!" Right? Yeah. But but did it? You know, did anyone think that that could be that this is the spark of something? Or was it just we're going to have fun? I think it was a mix actually i think people saw that something exciting was was happening and they wanted to join in but i think nobody nobody had anticipated how big this movement were going to be of course i mean alex didn't start startup weekend he brought it here but mm-hmm. but it was a big thing for the danish community i think and um i remember i remember back back then we said oh man it's going to be every six months is there is there even enough people to join this every six months you know that's kind of crazy uh, <laughs> who's gonna think of that you know and I, I was one of those people who were slightly skeptical of that right but but it was definitely proved wrong and i think today i mean there's so many events there's far too many events today right yeah. but and even just a few years after but it was really the start of something that we couldn't we couldn't couldn't really grasp it right but of course i mean Eric and Nicholas and these other guys, they took Memolane and, and moved it forward, uh, quickly brought it to the U.S. as well, raised some, Francisco, on, right, some more c- c- cash out of it. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really but good. But it did, of course, help, you know, not help, but Eric as being part of the, the Skype team from an oh, early, yeah. early point. Yes. And, and really well connected within the ecosystem exactly. as well. But, you know, that's also amazing to see. And I think you can see that there literally were no events when people of yeah. that caliber were attending these weekend hackathons. Yeah. And I think I think one of the important facts here, of course, is that of course there had been a lot of stuff going on in Copenhagen, just much more underground. Of course, mm-hmm. I mean uh, Thomas Mastenmukdel back in the days with Reboot, you know, back in the late nineties, even mm-hmm. started these you know tech um, festivals and tech events, right? Um, and a lot of the companies that we see as highly successful today, like Unity. Um, and uh, Sidecore and those kind of companies, they started really early as well. Of course, they've been they've been on this for quite a while. So it's not because there was nothing there. It was just not that visible and nobody really knew about it. And part of having a community, as I'm sure that you've talked about in other, in other podcasts as well, is of course that you can, you can take all the experiences of people who tried it before and pass it on to the to the next group of people that are coming in and in entrepreneurship the generations are just that young you know it's like two years apart (laughs) then you got then you got your next generation coming in right so it just goes that fast so in order to make sure that you can you can you can take all those experiences and and compress and get the best out of it hand that on plus a bit of cash of course you know through angel investment and stuff that that needs to happen and i think you need a community and 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 a broad understanding of who else is is out there to be able to do that so that kind of just brings us to kind of not all the way forward but you know the, the kind of a good groundwork of how the community was set up from and you know so we're still now in 2009 we haven't hit 2010 yet and going into that process but what we're going to do now is just take a quick break and uh you know come right back afterwards and maybe take in from that point and and go through maybe what what was going on um throughout those points kind of accelerated then over the last years uh, and bring us up to where we are fantastic Sounds awesome. we'll catch you guys back soon and yeah Hi everyone, and thanks again. We're we're bad little and we'll cut again here from Safu, and uh, another word from us. Yeah, snap. Welcome back, um, Mikael. Before the break, we were talking about Venture Cup and where you are now. 
well, let's flash forward 2010 to where we are. You're now the CEO of Venture Cup. You've been leading the charge and kind of seeing the ecosystem over the last few years growing. What now? Yeah, so basically a lot of what I've already talked about also happened in that period. But I think a pivotal um, thing started happening as well. Uh, it, it wasn't only in the eyes of uh, whoever wanted to become an entrepreneur that, that a lot of stuff started happening. Also in the supporting system, which VentureCorp obviously is a part of, a lot of stuff started happening. So for instance, VentureCorp was, uh, was uh, owned by the universities, supported by the universities financially as well. Um, but you also started to seeing, started seeing that a lot of other organizations were, were coming out. So we were originally funded by just a few entities from the government, but at the same time, we started to, to bring in corporate sponsors as well, but we also saw an organization like uh, um, the Foundation of Entrepreneurship uh, arising as well and started to, to pour even more money into this field. And all of a sudden, the universities themselves started building their own projects to support entrepreneurs at universities. Uh, and we also saw a lot of other organizations coming into this field and all of a sudden you saw this kind of kind of fight for attention in mm -hmm. in uh, fundraising for these um, these support systems so it went from absolutely nothing happening to then an absolute clamoring to, to anyone that was giving away money or support or energy all within the short space of time yeah exactly so we could see a lot of things <laughs> happening so more and more would sign up for the programs more and more would attend these events more and more um, would be interested in becoming an entrepreneur but when when that kind of comes in then of course a lot more attention is being built from a lot of other organizations so all of a sudden we could see a lot of um, almost financial interest or economy would start rising about supporting entrepreneurship and raising money to do so mm -hmm. um, that was quite interesting and it, it came up in in many shapes and forms so both from the universities themselves but also from you know um, uh, the regional offices or even private uh, private companies as well starting to starting to look into that not a lot but but it happened all of a sudden because so, there was sponsor money to be had in that so uh, they were well. creating their own competition within each other for each other separately from each other together for, yeah, with each exactly. other exactly and 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 later as well of course i mean we i mean you you know me back from from when you started as well the nordic startup awards and, and yeah. those kind of things uh, danish startup awards i think at one point uh, they were just becoming more and more startup awards as well you know yeah. those award shows as well and venture cup was also an award show so all of a sudden we would see ourselves in 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 a cluttered um, space or a cluttered uh, ecosystem as well it was it was really really interesting seeing how how this this whole mainstream uh, uh, part of becoming an entrepreneur would 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 have all these side effects actually as well. That was that was quite interesting. But within such a short space of time mm. as well, seemingly. Yeah. So you know, you, you it was basically from between uh, I think ten to twelve, thirteen. We saw a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. Um, to be honest. And all of a sudden, you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't uh, go one evening without there being a startup event. It was. Uh, 
nothing compared to a lot of other places in the world, but but in Copenhagen it was quite a bit. Uh, considering there's only like 1.1 million people. Oh yeah. In you know in the heart or the outer greater Copenhagen, even less in the, the inner city as well. Yes. So to to have an event every single night, I think was you know considering you said beforehand there was events every other week. Yes. That you could possibly turn up to, and there would be a handful or you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 people, yep. as opposed to a hundred entrepreneurs, geeks, freaks joining every night into some space. Yeah, I mean, mind you, back in back in 2010, 11, and possibly even 12, still, the Venture Cup final at City Hall was actually a really sort of event, you know, a, a sort out event. So people would 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 uh, set it aside in their calendar, would actually show up, and we mm-hmm. would have party all night and things like that. It was a really, really cool event. And everybody was there. Um, and uh, without at all talking it down I think the event is really good today it's just at a, at a smaller scale and you just see those type of events everywhere out there so today Venture Cup is it's much more it's much more international today right so mm-hmm. they've they built this uh, uh, this University World Cup series because I think eventually they saw that they had to kind of expand it uh, outside of uh, outside of the national border because in Denmark, there's just too much stuff happening right now and too much competition as well, even from the university side as well. So it's, it's quite interesting Actually, what, t- what's seeing. Touching upon that, is it, do, you think, do you feel that you know Denmark, again, only 5.5 million people in total, um, is there enough space for all of these entrepreneurs here? Because people are very well educated here. They, they get paid to go to study. Um, of course, they get taxed on it. That's how the system works. But you know, ultimately, is that you have then a very good foundation for for learning and to go through the, these experiments so to speak and the opportunities within you know your academia to try out entrepreneurship do you feel now that, that there is too much out there or or or, or you know we, we haven't got enough or it's a good question but i think to be honest i don't think this of course there's there's plenty of space for the right type it's always like that right i think that if you ask me, I think everybody could benefit from having those type of experiences. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's just going to be a short experience. It's going to be six months, something. Some is going to take longer and some is going to make a, a lifetime out of it, right? No. But I think what we need is to very quickly figure out <laughs> who's cut out for it and who's not. You know, Who can just take some of these experiences and move forward. But I yeah. think today when, when you're having entrepreneurship taught in, in even in, in the... Uh, in, in uh, what's it called grade school uh, you know the primary school mm-hmm. I think that's that's an excellent way of doing it right because I think if you expose people to this mind you this is creativity this is yeah. building stuff this is creating growth and, and opportunities and this is making sure that you don't get too conform or you know um, just settle on on, on just uh, relying on other people building stuff right so i think this is great for everybody to be exposed to but it's not for everybody to make a life out of right entrepreneurship in general you were saying yeah yeah in general yeah exactly and i think i think there's i I still think of course what we what we really need and really lack is much better entrepreneurs i think we actually we actually lack that right but but here in copenhagen or because you know danes again Mm. have been very entrepreneurial they've been great successes throughout all the way through you had the likes of trade shift that came from here zendesk came from here or the founders did as well i mean like i can go on and on and on and on i mean like so what i mean when i say better i think i think essentially i mean better faster right so i i think we need mm. to learn a lot faster um because it takes a lot of time and part of that is 
is that we we tend to sometimes we overthink things here we just uh, we wait and we plan and we um, we don't really jump jump into it fast enough and we don't close down things fast enough either so I think I think that's one of the things we could be a lot better at mm-hmm. I think we could uh, our our support system especially when it comes to the financial area could be faster at uh, injecting money into projects and then faster at closing them down if they don't work because yeah. a lot of times you wait and wait and wait does that come with experience though experience in the in the investment sector with the acumen of of angels or the acumen of of that early first round it, it, it it's a mix of many things i mean if if there were enough good cases out there so you would create this kind of fear of missing out for investors as well yeah. you would get much more investment faster and things like that so i think it's it's a mix of, of the whole ecosystem to be mm-hmm. honest I think it's not just it, it's not just one thing that's um, that needs to be uh, kind of that, done that I, yeah, I can't or... point on a single piece and say this is the missing piece or this is where we should should do it but I think if you look at a lot of different uh, areas of the of the ecosystem I think there's a lot of different small changes you can make um, yeah and I think I, I mean I've been fortunate enough to work in many of these areas mm-hmm. uh, and I've I've also had my own company a couple of times. Yeah. So, so yeah. after leaving, so you, you left Venture Cup after that as well um, to pursue, I'm guessing then your own startup. Did you found it yourself yeah, or did true. you join a founding team or what What drew you from being the CEO of Venture Cup, which was still you know prestigious and growing and taking those next strides and saying, actually, I, I'm going to be an entrepreneur again. You know what? It was, it was a fantastic um, period right after Venture Cup to be able to kind of just take a break and just look out and say okay so what do I want to do I think I want to I want to build a startup together with some some amazing people mm-hmm. and I accidentally I found that and it turned out that I knew a couple of them already so I joined um, I joined a couple of guys uh, in a in a company that was originally called Hello World Mobile but then it it changed name to Onomondo um, which I, means I, I remember one word. Hello World Mobile. Yeah, that was the, World the, Mobile. the introduction of. Yeah, <laughs> we actually liked that name quite a bit. I don't know why we changed it, but we actually did eventually. Um, but but yeah, and the great thing is that that we made. I mean, it was it was a, one of the best best periods of my life. Definitely being an entrepreneur and being uh, and be able to work with these guys on this. I also tried out everything. Uh, in the at least in this system because I had a couple of companies before but this was the first time in the real tech environment so we built software for the telco industry so this is the first time you would have classed yourself as a tech entrepreneur exactly yeah. and we were in I mean yeah and we were sitting at Founders House and all those kind of things and Founders House I mean of course it was being started by by one of my um, or two actually of, of my uh, my previous colleagues it, uh, Tina and, uh, and Angelica together with a couple of cool guys other cool guys of course um, and we were able to sit there as well with the, with the company and join them when they moved to 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 startup village as well it was it was just a it was just a really fun time and being through the whole process of fundraising and of course being almost bankrupt before fundraising and those kind of things <laughs> you know it's it's just great and meeting all these big big corporations around because if you're if you're in the roaming space you're obviously dealing with some some large customers uh, yeah. potential customers and and just being able to to uh, to go through whole that whole process of selling to these corporations and and testing the uh, the systems with them i mean it was it was just so much experience that it's it's impossible to uh, to to live without today i'd say and it's really made me for instance uh, to what i am today and enabled me to do other things and i i also joined some of these 
we, we talked previously about acceleration programs. Mm-hmm. So I also joined a few few of those through the company. Whilst you were with your company yeah, and exactly. you went through that process again. Now, yes, exactly. How was that? Because you were probably more educated than the typical entrepreneur that went through that program or goes through that program. So it was when we built Rockstar, it was for, for making sure everyone was on the same page. That meant going back a few chapters. Did that you know help you or hinder you or did you, were you able to take more value out of that? It's a, an excellent question. I think, I think you're actually touching upon something here. Because we did a lot of those things um, in the Venture Cup days, uh, we actually built kind of a mini acceleration. It was on a very low level. But I guess we still it wasn't did called it. that back in the day, right? It wasn't called that at all. But we, we did, we did some of, a, lot of the others, a lot of the same stuff. So we pretty much knew what to do. Um, but at the same time, it was really good having somebody to kind of push us. It was really good to have somebody bringing in even more experience. Um, it was, it was um, a way of, uh, um, it was PR exercise as well, getting to talk to a lot of different investors and essentially raise, raise money on, on the back of that as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it was definitely good for us to attend it. But I think in terms of learnings, I think there was not as much. But what I learned at the same time is something that I definitely use, uh, used later uh, when I eventually built my own uh, acceleration together with Rainmaking to, to, to kind of target those people who had done it before or who, who knew a lot more uh, and be able to help them kind of on, on next level stuff, right? So not the, not the very basic uh, acceleration stuff, but but yeah. next level. So actually, maybe some of the experiences again of, of whilst you're at the company. So you know you you were nearly broke, and on that verge of you know the last ticking days of the run rate, and then closing that deal. I mean that that is really the epitome of the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. Is it the case of where you still felt that, you know, did you have to keep on raising to take that next round and to keep on growing? And, and was that sustainable within from where you were? Or I think because we were building something that was um, it was quite big, big tech. So it, it was it was something that would require quite a bit of time to build. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually fundraised before we reached the market as well. Uh, and we had to uh, we had to use a lot of soft funding options as well. So I actually went through the process of raising money from the EU, raising money from um, you know uh, what's it called the, the local uh, Marcus Mullings Fund. It was called back then. Yeah. Uh, the Market Maturity Fund, I think it's called. Um, raising uh, money from acceleration uh, from accelerators from all different kinds of places. Kind of add that up together. Uh, loans and per, uh, private loans and things like that. Did you so take I, out loans think, for the company and, and like yourself and yeah, match sure. out your credit cards and, sure. and take it all not, the way? Not too much, but still, I mean, it was back in the days where it didn't, didn't cost one krona to open, so you also had to put in quite a bit of cash, but yep. we did that and a bit on top as well. Uh, we eventually got it back, but uh, still, you know. Um, and then, um, I guess... Raising uh, VC funds as well, that was kind of the big thing. That's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And we ended up doing that, but it's true. I mean, having, having, the, having the guts to, when you know you haven't paid yourself anything. Uh, I mean, we paid ourselves just a little bit just to make sure that we could, we could continue, right? But at, at the very end, we, 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 hadn't, we hadn't taken out any money. We didn't have anything left in the bank for three months or something mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. and you so still- So you would run out of money. Yeah, ex- exactly. Point, and completely. then you, you still turn down your, um, 
your term sheet, right? Because it's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good. I mean, that's a good learning experience to be in that position. Are you still happy that you did that, right? In oh yeah, of saying course. like, do you know? No, those terms aren't going to suit us moving forward, and we know what we've got and the value of what we have. Yeah, because they came back four days later, and and we, we settled, <laughs> so that was good, and then we we got the right terms, yeah. that we wanted, right? So that was good. So it's just a matter of playing. But how is that? I mean, like you know, because you you had nothing, you had nothing at all, and yes, is that. The conversation you had within the founding group and was one of you saying, Do you know what, we've got to take it and someone else was like, No, we're gonna hold out? No, we were actually we were actually in agreement on this one. Okay. To be honest, yeah. So because I mean what did we have to lose? I mean, we already said when, the money we put into the company, we said, Okay, it's basically uh, lost mm-hmm. from the beginning, right? So we, we never figured we wanted that we would ever get that back. So whatever happens, happens, right? So mm-hmm. So we were in it to win it, and and it was it was uh, sound really cheesy, but we really really <laughs> yeah. wanted to make this a big success, and for that to happen, we needed this, uh, the right terms as well. We needed this to be a long term success, and not just not just get money quickly to to move this. So, but but it is an interesting process because at that time we've been we've been at it for two years or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And and you're running out of money, and and investors can can kind of smell that as well, so they know when you're desperate enough, and that's when they move in. So, it 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 was it was great raising these money and having that signature and getting the money into your bank account. But at that time, you're also a bit tired, right? <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that was a really big thing. And then you have to get started as well. So I think that's one of my. One of one of my points from earlier, saying I think we should be faster at giving people, to, uh, giving money to the to entrepreneurs if we really believe in yeah. them, because then then we still have that energy. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have you don't have to be so dead when you raise money. You know, yeah. I, it's looking back and seeing that mm-hmm. there was a lot of investment going into the scene from traditional investors mm-hmm. this was still a very new asset class of entrepreneurship let alone splitting it up even more nowadays but yeah, back in the day like you know they just didn't understand what this meant you had the mm-hmm. dot-com boom and bust where people were hurt through their stocks so they were hurt through their traditional investment yeah. cycles as opposed to this i'm going to now lend directly to this guy but you've also had the successes of of what happened before that point as well and seeing within the Nordic scene. But it's an interesting point that you raised that the I would say the Nordic investors, maybe even the Danish investors particularly, were very tough, I would say, on the yeah. entrepreneurs. And and they really waited, either through lack of knowledge and acumen to say, yes, I'm able to do this deal, yeah. to, to to even just at the end to going, you know, I, I want to wait, I want to wait, want to wait, want to wait. Yeah, and yeah. then, of course, getting a better deal for them at the end, but being in a much worse position overall. Yeah, and I think you're touching upon a point because I think it has changed within the last year and a half or something like that. It's, but is it, it only that changed. recently that exactly, you know, within yeah. the last few years that, that, that... I agree. Is that Does that tie in with the same shift in mentality of on, of investors looking instead of growth companies, bringing in value companies and, and that balance coming through? Or is it just actually hmm. because of what's happened in the past and because of lessons learned that we're now seeing entrepreneurs ask for money quicker and investors saying yes or and or no quicker i would rather say, i mean my observations is more into the fact that we're seeing a lot more um entrepreneurs that are now investors so we're seeing a lot more people who's who's mm. had their own companies in recent times yeah. um, 
and understanding that type of dynamic moving into investments. So, so that's more of my observations. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just never thought of it like that. Yeah. Um, but it, but it could could be that you're right. But so you're saying that this, yeah. it's actually now you're seeing this kind of secondary or tertiary wave of mm. successful entrepreneurs that have been through the system, that have been through the process, and now can actually say, not only am I going to give you my my money, but I can actually give you my time, my energy, and my knowledge of going through it. Because the typical investor beforehand probably would have made his money either through trading beforehand or through a traditional business. Yeah. I, mean, I think I remember back in the day, there was a stat of like 98% of all VC money came from traditional sources, yeah. whether it's transportation or whatever. Yeah, is, so- is, it, is it then like the PayPal mafia of how that kind of disbanded and then you've got the Elon Musk's, the, the Peter Thiel's, of course, not to that scale here in Denmark. No, but we but still is have it, our yeah. small mafias, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's quite interesting. So yeah, so we've seen this... Uh, uh, I think it started with probably Nordic makers, right? And 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 then yeah. it's 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 um, it's uh, moved into uh, to uh, to other projects as well. And I think, but that started maybe sixteen. I don't know something like that, mm-hmm. right? And then seeing more and more of that, I think that's uh, that's that's a big shift as well. I think that is what's important for an ecosystem is that you really you really give back. Um, that's that's really crucial yeah so I think you know I think this is actually a great jumping point is now you come to the end of your company here is and, and you're seeing then you're looking to the next steps but what we jump into a quick break and right afterwards then we hear the story of, of what you then did um, so also whilst you're there at uh, at the organization and take it from that point fantastic Right, and thanks for joining us back from the break here into our last segment here with Mikael back. Um, Mikael, before the break, we, we were talking about, you know, your startup. Um, you know, why don't we just jump straight into this? This was about the time that, that Copenhagen for the win started. The, you know, a group of us got together and decided in, in, in the middle of the town of this new movement. And this was the first time that this has kind of happened, right? I think the players have kind of said, you, you should join, you should do this. It's, we've all done something within the ecosystem in some way, shape or form. So it kind of brought together the right people at that moment in time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you were there, I were there. I mean, there was 70, yeah, that's of, why I said 70 the right of us, <laughs> I think. Exactly, yeah. I think we were 70 people at, at that point. And I think there was a slightly smaller group as well, 10 people that, of course, I mean... Of course, we know, we know all of them as well, but I mean, great people coming together and saying something needs to happen. Now, remember, we talked about this previous in, in the previous segment and, and the one before actually as well, that a lot more stuff was happening. Yeah. We saw events all over the place. We saw... Because um, we're bubbling up now to like a space yeah. where it's happening some every single day yeah. and you can pick and choose across the verticals now, yeah. right? So to even suggest... An uh, internal competition as well. That was kind of the yeah. thing, you know. So you saw started seeing organizations fighting over talent or fighting over, you know, uh, who should you join, which, you know, which organizations should have... Should have you know the uh, the financial support and stuff like that you know it was just fight 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 and 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 we could see small silos uh, emerging as well within the startup community mm-hmm. as well even in Copenhagen and and what was right what what some people saw as 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 completely right here was that we need to if we need to elevate this organization or sorry this ecosystem of of what's happening in Denmark and Copenhagen i think we need to 
we need to stay put we need to stand together you know and 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 work together and communicate and and be part of the same ecosystem rather than trying to uh, to uh, build each of its own so essentially it was more a matter of creating um uh, a common understanding that we were we were not really competing against each other we were competing yeah. against other ecosystems like london or berlin mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even stockholm and things like that right so if if we were to get to the next level because we kind of it kind of grew to this level like very very unconsciously so if we wanted to consciously get to the next level as an ecosystem we needed to stand together so in that sense i think uh, yeah copenhagen for the win was was formed and in a in a very distributed manner i think as well but but i think what was so special about it was that it was really built from grassroots right mm-hmm. it was entrepreneurs themselves saying we we need this entrepreneurs mm-hmm. themselves that would go out i mean i was one of the guys who was who was fundraising as well uh, so we went out and, and talked to all these companies. How was that? Because you know, fundraising again at a time when it is so saturated, and there are so many things. And you're just saying, actually, do you know what? This is the thing that will be the next big push. How was that taken? I think it was really, really good. Um, we got 86 companies. You, you know, the difference was that this time we were not fundraising from uh, the government or from uh, mm. municipality. We were not fundraising for big corporations, sponsors, and stuff like that. No, we were actually fundraising from the very companies that we were gonna right. put together. So it was only from startups, um, and and that was that was amazing. You know, so. That energy, that was that was really good. We said we can do this ourselves. Nobody else can help us do this. We need to do this ourselves. And there was this was the time when I was in Onomondo as well. We didn't we hadn't raised any money, so we basically put in the money ourselves for that. And and there were so really? many other small companies that did the same, right? And even some of the larger ones, you know, like uh, Unity or uh, Trade Shift, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of companies, they were they were joining as well. There's, awesome really cool so so we had this sense of community from the beginning you know you had uh, 86 but not just 86 a lot of other companies that were supporting this right and um yeah it was really amazing and and uh, of course i mean yasenko uh, was uh, i mean he was relatively new in the ecosystem he's built this great event um he did the uh, nordic web as well, right? Uh, that- not Nordic Web, but he was doing um, what's called so Nordic Startup Award. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, there's so many go. things, right? That, yeah, um, exactly. The, what was the it? Nordic Startup it? Conference, but it was one of those conferences yeah, right conference, at the beginning yeah. as well. Is where, where it's, again, yeah. seeing and bringing in influences from outside exactly. and seeing these kind of people come through yeah. and, and bring part of it. So, Copenhagen for the Winter started and, and going through that process. Did, what did you do after on Mondo? What what happened after? Yeah, so um, that's that's what, yeah. So it's essentially in the end, uh, we ended up uh, uh, selling the company or closing down the company, you could say. So mm-hmm. and and in that process, we just barely came out. You know, we we didn't lose a lot of money. We just came out with a lot of experience that was pretty good. Yeah. And then we that's actually repaid, MBA, right? we repaid a lot of the money <laughs> that we that we loaned as well and things like that. So we came out and everybody was quite happy with us actually. Mm-hmm. From the outside, we did some sales, but not a lot. Um, but it, but it was it was pretty good actually in many ways, and and um, I can actually use that today. And even my co-founders have actually restarted the company again, um, same name but a slightly different technology. Okay. And they are very successful with it now as well. So it, it was a good idea, just maybe a bit too soon. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
So I, I uh, ended up uh, joining uh, rainmaking actually. Um, I've I've done that twice, so this was okay. the first, first time to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so the first time I, I joined rainmaking, and rainmaking is of course this this collective of of fantastic, uh, super inspiring entrepreneurs that have uh, started different companies either together or individually. I remember that the first companies yeah. that they had was was a uh, eyesight correction company where they were sent Danes to Sweden. As one of them, sounds yeah. just about right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then the other one was Frokost.dk, um, yeah, where yeah, they were exactly. delivering lunches across Which town still before yeah. before everyone ordered lunch, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's Which the... is still very successful and everything. Yeah, exactly. I started that with Klaus Meyer actually, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think René was in on it as well. René Ratzebi as well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, of normal so fame. Yes, years ago. Know. Yeah, <laughs> yes, years ago. Anyway, uh, so so together with these guys, I used some of the knowledge that we talked about before as well from joining these accelerators into building a uh, another level, next level kind of acceleration. So acceleration had had moved from being um, everyone's game and for all tip, dif- different types of companies and focusing only on getting to the next level, whatever company you had, uh, you know, just deconstructing and then rebuilding and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But then it actually moved into to verticals as well. So this was one of the verticals that um, that were, uh, that hadn't been touched that much upon. So it was uh, within, uh, you could say, smart city, smart buildings. We call it uh, built tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is, is tech, right? They call it prop tech, urban tech nowadays. Or... Yeah, exactly. And urban tech, pro- the urban tech program that's running right now is actually is actually uh, uh, a follow up on that with the same partners and everything. Okay. So uh, yeah, so it's completely so the, on the, top the of that. So the nucleus is still there and it's still running yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Some of the content program that you've written is, is still there. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was together with the blocks and blocks up and, and Real Dania, the big real yeah. estate fund. Um, it was really exciting to, to be able to help entrepreneurs on that level again. Was that one of the first times when corporates or or traditional or existing organizations looked to saying, well, actually, we need to do acceleration or we need to do venture in some, some ways? The early starts of CVC, kind of corporate venture capital here and the, the, the mindset for that or... I, I think there, there had been quite a few actually before, to okay, be honest, okay. uh, but this was the first time I think within this area because it also entailed, we also did it together with the city of Copenhagen and things like that. So it was quite big in that yeah. sense. The, 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 the sheer level of partners or the number of partners as well were uh, staggering. I mean, it was fantastic. You know, all the big companies in Denmark within the space, engineering companies, architects, uh, Building companies, you know, they were all present. You had the city, you had uh, you had uh, Raldania, you had a, a lot of different, really, really cool people, plus a lot of tech entrepreneurs. So wow. it was it was a great, great program, and I think I think it was really interesting because a lot of the companies that were on board had already had somewhat of a success already. So it, they were yeah. they were really on the rise of something big. And I know at least four out of the five companies are doing very well today and have raised more funds and oh, are wow. really, really selling well. So, so that's pretty good. And it ended in 2017, as far as I remember. So, I think I think it's it's doing pretty pretty well. And and for me, it was it was just great being able to return to helping entrepreneurs um, from so, being uh, an entrepreneur myself for the past three four years. It's really a struggle, right? Yeah. So, and then, but so then for a while, the getting back to as that. Well then, yeah. From all the bits that you took from the accelerator, of course. Were you mindful in like, do you know what? I don't want to build an accelerator program that 
took me into the same place that I felt going through another program previously for where I am. Yes. Was that kind of tainting the, the mind? Of course. So what we did was we tailored it completely to each company. Okay. Um, we, because we only had five companies, it was it was easier than having five companies. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we, we made sure to do things. If, if there were three or at least three companies that wanted to do a session, we did it. And that, me- that meant that sometimes we flew in somebody really, really cool just for three people sitting there because there was just one from each company that yeah. would attend, right? But it was super um, helpful for these guys and it really accelerated them actually in the in, in the place where they were. So we, we were able to tailor it completely to their stage. And I think I think that, that made a huge difference rather than having just this generic thing where everybody had to attend the same courses and classes and stuff. So Because that's what happens in an acceleration program, exactly. right? Because you want to get everyone on the same page, that means everyone has to go through the same stage. Yes before you can move on. Yes. So, you know, you kind of built this out and you're kind of helping out entrepreneurs. Is, and all this time, Copenhagen for the win is, is growing. It's, you know, there's been a real movement of things happening. You jumped on board after that, you know, so there, there's been a couple of people leading the charge since you were there, so since it was started. And yeah, you exactly. came in now to an organization that was that had some movement and some traction. Um, yeah, so, so what has always excited me about Copenhagen for the win is that every time you talk to, I mean, any entrepreneur, um, they're just super excited about the concept of something like Copenhagen for the win. Yeah. Having this organization really listening and being, you know, by entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. So for entrepreneurs, but by entrepreneurs, but also knowing that we really know the challenges you you have as an entrepreneur i think i think everybody wants an organization like that you know everybody really really uh, were aching for that kind of uh, uh, kind of organization you mm-hmm. know so i've always i've always enjoyed that and i've never really been away from that it was more like yeah i helped fundraise it in the beginning and then it it was having its own life yasenko was doing a great job Christopher uh, was doing a great job so i thought you know uh, yeah it was time time for me to to try to to, to to help as many people as possible through that that platform, right? And we did some uh, some great events. I mean, we had this um, we had this uh, big uh, town hall event yeah. that was really gather the whole ecosystem. With the town uh, hall, they started. They didn't even start small, but you end up having hundreds of people turning up to the town halls. Yeah, there were months over a thousand actually, to be honest. And yeah. it, was, it was great, great, great event wow. and a great platform as well. I think eventually, of course, I mean, when you have a big format like that that is so generic at some point you you run out of inspiration for that right and then something new has to happen as well and at some point we started looking at uh, what what what's kind of what can take some of this to the next level or what is what is lacking in this discussion as well and i think when i joined as well um, it was partly as well because the vision of of the tech festival had also started emerging as well so taking taking um this 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 festival format of uh, uh, distribution or yeah having this distributed festival um, format where you would engage different communities to bringing their own content I thought was excellent in many yeah. many ways I thought it was uh, super exciting and new and at the same time uh, taking this whole discussion of where do we want to be with tech or where do we want uh, yeah where do we want technology to go so rather than us as humans being led by technology we could 
not reclaim it. I think that's a lot to say, but somehow, yes, reclaim at least the discussion and saying, where do we want um, our society to go? Where do we want, um, uh, where do we want to utilize technology? Was tech festival yeah, for kind of that? Was tech festival want? for, because I think, you know, what I think was the fantastic thing about it is that you allowed a lot of people then that weren't creators to become a creator or content provider that, that typically wouldn't have been able to have a platform to share their particular story. Now, that I think also then has the dichotomy of then looking at the different mindsets of like growing out then that ecosystem is passing the, the 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 kind of tech boys and girls that are just fresh out of university or just going into something and spreading into the wider consensus mm-hmm. do you think that then is because you know I went to tech festival and seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. I saw mothers with babies or mm-hmm. you know young students or older people that were into their second or third career I didn't see those sort of people attending other tech events. Exactly, and I, th- I think that is definitely the st- that that is the power of something like that. When you bring this discussion to people in three, four days, right, and you 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 open the doors and say it it shouldn't be inside a dark room, you know, like a conference mm-hmm. room. It shouldn't be for the invited only. It should be for everybody, right? Because everybody is touched by technology and everybody uses technology every day, right? So everybody should have a voice in that. And technology has, has won in the sense that it's, it's part of everything we do today. It is, um, I mean, it's such an essential part of our lives and it's, it's, it's um, we, we, we just, we utilize technology in almost every part of what we do today. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, it's uh, raising our kids or education or, uh, eating or you know uh, dancing having fun you know uh, working it's it's everywhere today right and a big part of that is of course because we have we have the uh, you know this uh, the smartphone and things like that we have technology so close at heart and in, in our watches and stuff so it's it's just so close to us right now but 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 that just means that we need to take that discussion um both further, but we also need need to take it more now that 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 what we used to do, right? Yeah. So so it was it was really fun and and I think it was great challenge trying to 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 help build this festival in in just four or five months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so because it was under the Copenhagen for the Win umbrella, uh, it was started by Copenhagen for the Win. I was uh, I was uh, partly responsible for that, of course, and and fundraising for this was a huge task but but you but fundraised fun for a well. lot of these ecosystem players that, that I think people take for granted and just assume that they just happened and they just yeah, became true. right and just and I think the hearing this story is that each and every time you've had to go out there you had to push it even venture cap back in the back in the early days you had to go out there and fundraise for that as well and and find again not only your market but also deliver then a product that that wasn't there yeah exactly exactly and I think I think that's I think you're you're right on that. I think it's it's really difficult to do these things. You you have to do them. You have to have some kind of capital to do it, but you also have to build some kind of sustainable business model around it as well. And I think that's that's sometimes what's lacking in these type of e- ecosystems, right? Is that you 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 don't manage to build in those business mm-hmm. business plans, right? So it it tends to to uh, evaporate after after a while right because it, it needs that kind of support or at least it needs that kind of engagement from those individuals who would actually yep. take it that for, that far right i i mean none of these things i i did solo right so but but i've been part of it and and, and of i'm course. proud of that of course but 
but it's it's a team effort. It's all it always is, right? And and in terms of of the festival, I mean, it there were so many people involved with that. So so I, yeah. In the same part, but I think I think you mentioned earlier on it's. The, the, the ecosystem of the startup ecosystem is constantly in a new flow and it's always just changing and, and new things and people want different things and to consume in a different way as well so I think that's a really interesting part to see Copenhagen for the win and, and what was there and then now looking forward and saying you know you know so you after Tech Festival you, you actually went back into going to the story again you went back to rainmaking is that so yes, you left making, yes. making back into them again the, the <laughs> yeah. draw was hard but they were setting up a new space right they were setting up a brand new um, they were heavy into co-working at this time they had the loft yeah. which had just got successful and kind of got a few other locations internationally so they've been internationally yes. for a while and and you kind of helped build that up how was it you know it was quite a traditional space beforehand right up in the pier uh, or the pier of, of you know yeah or, oh I know exactly what you mean and I think um it's actually another great example of of uh, of an area that's become um, I wouldn't say yeah uh, but it's it's just become so big as well. There's so many co-working spaces out there right now. It's not saturated. I think that that's nearly touching upon that. But you know, it's, yeah, it's there are a lot of co-working spaces yeah, for every vertical, for every horizontal. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, but I think what what attracted me to this was was two things. I think, uh, or maybe even three. I think, but. I mean the building in itself and 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 the you know the the atmosphere out out on that pier is just amazing in itself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, of course, uh, coming back to rainmaking, working with these guys again. I mean, I absolutely love what they do. I I love these guys. It's an amazing bunch of people, bunch of people. So I really wanted to work with them again. And and thirdly, I think um, having the opportunity to trying to build a different type of co-working space were really cool. So what what we what we um, really tried to build there was a place that would um, encompass and, and entail the whole corporate innovation side as well mm-hmm. i think i think that's that's one of the one of the things that has that that is coming as well and that has has started for a while that has been there for a little while but but maybe not as apparent is is um, corporate innovation and and the way that 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 trickles into the whole ecosystem as well. In um, the corporates innovating within themselves or looking externally to kind of pick companies or work with startups or work with entrepreneurs more? You know what? It's, it comes from, of course, the, the digital transformation that all of them has to go through, but also mm-hmm. in terms of, of, uh, of uh, business-wise. I mean, there's just such a, such a huge um, uh, transformation, transformation happening right now in people's lives that big companies also have to be able to adapt to that and they're just not very good at that um it's not the first time in history but this time it just goes so fast and i think this time uh, for the first time as well consumers are uh, able to solve their problems in uh, numerous different ways mm-hmm. also because i mean distribution again is so easy everybody can become an entrepreneur everybody can solve big problems easily or more easily today and that just means that you have so much else to choose from so even the large corporations who have built their whole lives they're building systems to manage risk and make sure that they cannot be disrupted they essentially have to do something else right now and they 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 are really struggling right now with knowing how to do it i mean either should Mm -hmm. we should we build ourselves or should we should we partner up i mean essentially should, should we uh, compete or, or, or collaborate, right? Should we um, 
invest a lot of money in just one thing or should we make us a lot of small bets and how do we actually do that do we set a unit outside do we do it inside i mean there's a lot of those kind of things and we set out on a mission to try to help that at, at pf 47 i think for many reasons for many um in many ways i think we we were hugely successful in doing that but at the same time there was also just um a, a much larger uh, trend that ha- started happening so a lot of companies were were actually uh, un- uncertain if they should move outside so they never mm. set any money aside, aside yeah. to do that actually which i think is partly right um i think if you do it in in the right way i think i think you can definitely do it but on the flip side we just made a fantastic place for a lot of startups instead uh, <laughs> it, it was what a horrible byproduct yeah exactly so we we ended up having a fantastic community i mean we had so many great people uh, living out there as well um and uh it's it's just an amazing place, and I I love that that I've that I've been part of building something like that as well, and yeah. uh, so I think I think I've come pretty much full circle. I think I've tried most of of what, what say, exists in an ecosystem. Even some of it twice. Yeah, even some <laughs> of it twice. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I've I've kept coming back to the same people and kept coming back to the same. You know, it's that's that's part of a small ecosystem like this as well. I think I've been. I've been so fortunate of, of, of working together with a lot of people for many, many years, uh, knowing some of the people from when they just started out mm-hmm. until today when they're, you know, we are all in so many exciting areas right now. So, yeah, um, yeah it's it's just been, it, it, it's been such a great journey for the past 12 years, you know, and it's not, it's not at all over yet. I was going to say, the journey's uh, not know, over no, yet, no, no. right? Because Everything you... is just changing, right? <laughs> it's, it's new, it's new opportunities all the time. Well, yeah. even more new for you, you've just um, taken up a new position at uh, three, Denmark, yes. the telco, yeah, as exactly. head of innovation, and now gone into the, the full corporate side and said, well, how can I help from this way, I assume? Yeah, exactly. So I've been part of uh, supporting entrepreneurs. I've been an entrepreneur myself several times. I've been building accelerators and, and uh, co-working places and, you know, you name it. I've uh, been part of a lot of different things. But but one thing I've never tried is to actually been in a corporate as well. So that's that, that was quite a big yep. challenge for me to try to do that as well. I wanted to make sure that I could use uh, both some of, the, some of the network that I have, some of the capabilities that I've built, uh, some of the competencies of course but i also wanted to make sure that that i found a place where i could really uh, learn a lot but also influence the business quite a bit and i think i think at three i actually have that opportunity i think what's interesting about the mobile industry or the uh, the telecom industry is that connectivity connectivity is just such a big part of your everyday life i mean you see it (laughs) as a commodity and it really is in many many ways but what you, what what is connectivity in general, right? So, so that's what we're discussing right now: is how can we expand what connectivity is? Not, you as an organization at three. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, in three, we're discussing that right now and saying, well, how can we actually make sure that we we use not just connectivity but all the byproducts, or you could say all the other things that is related to it, uh, connecting people in general. Mm-hmm. How can we use that to the to the benefit of solving other problems, right? And that could be uh, even on, you know, like big things like livable cities, for instance. How can we use the, the data that, that, that we can collect in an anonymous way, of course, to, to better traffic flows or to better, uh, you know, uh, uh, gathering of, of garbage or whatever. You know, how can you make sure that there's less pollution, things like that? Or how can you make sure that the experiences are better, things like that? How can you uh, make sure that we can, we can deliver... Uh, 
other experiences faster, better, easier? How can we, how can we make sure that you you just uh, you just get better products? Because what you're selling is inherently and a, a visible product. You physically cannot see mm. what you sell because it's the connectivity. It's connectivity and making sure that the devices work and that you can reach out, but also the reaching of the data and of what, what's collected as well and, and utilizing that in a smarter way. Not to say that Mr. Jones from number three yeah. goes here or does that, or that's actually X percent of people go on to this particular sort of site and they're looking for this particular sort of information or... Uh, they're connecting to these sort of devices and are moving towards this sort of trend. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 the it's inevitable of today's life that we are exposed to uh, technologies that will gather data of some sort. Mm-hmm. Right now, what you see a lot of times is that this data is being used in ways that we definitely don't want. Now, there's one reason why I joined this is that I, I believe that there's a lot of good ways you can use data. Yep. Um, it's not all about uh, reaping uh, you know, <laughs> valuable information and selling that to, to uh, companies that just want to sell even more. But I think it's about solving really big issues um, and really big problems that we have out there. Uh, and I think, I think to be honest, mm-hmm. I think telco companies are in as good position as any company out there yeah. do in which are already digital to be able to solve it. And that's what I that's what I generally think we should be able to do. So that's why I actually joined it. Um, so it's it's not it's not to sell more subscriptions or anything like that. It's to <laughs> it's to look ahead and see where should where should telco be in three yeah. to five years, right? You didn't open your jacket pocket and say, you know, which mobile phone do you want? <laughs> say, before we start this it interview. Does get it, easier. <laughs> it does get easier getting the new 11, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. There yeah. are some perks then, of course, of working for a corporate yeah. <laughs> into that Yeah, side. of course, of course. Well, that brings us all the way through. And, and Michael, I'm really super happy that you, you came along today because you, you've given us actually a compendium of the startup ecosystem from the very beginning here in Denmark of people coming together to then even going apart to coming it together again to going apart to then saying well what is the next step what are the next steps where do we go from here uh, and understanding that things do ebb and flow and and as you we're in a part of a really exciting time I'm super glad that we've got people like you leading the charge within corporates as well and seeing from an entrepreneur's view and from that point so thank you very much for, for taking the time and joining us today um, it's my pleasure actually yeah and yeah and I think we'll leave it like that so guys Thank you again. Thanks again to Michael for taking the time out to share his story. We love hearing the different perspectives of how people come into the startup scene and what they've done to explore their way through the ecosystem. This was the first episode of the Humans of Tech Denmark podcast, and we truly hope that you like the format. As with all of our shows, we love to get your feedback on what you liked and disliked about the episode in the comments below. In next week's episode, we get to sit down with Sherry List, the lead Azure developer at Microsoft, where she shares with us her honest and frank views on life as a female developer expat in Denmark. Until next time, I'm James Digby, and you've been listening to the Humans of Technology Denmark podcast by Startup42 Media.